You're listening to With Woman, a podcast hosted by midwives Sophie and Ashley. Join us as we help you to navigate the transition from womanhood to motherhood and everything in between. With Woman is your unfiltered and raw guide to empowering you to trust the process in hopes that each episode leaves you feeling a little more supported through your journey. Before we get into this episode, a little disclaimer. Although we are midwives, the information discussed in this podcast is not intended to substitute the care or advice of your healthcare provider. And we swear a lot. Mainly it's just me that's swearing. So here's your warning on that too. Hiya, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. (laughs) Ash and I are here with your episode eight. Pain relief in labor. It's a really important one. Not having just, experienced this myself, very important. It's not just important, but I think this is an episode that most women want to know about. Well, yeah, 100%. Because I feel like the number one thing you get asked when you're pregnant is like, what kind of pain relief are you going to have? Mm. Have you thought about pain relief? <laughs> you peed on a stick and thought about pain relief. So today, the idea of this episode is to help you build your pain relief toolkit. Yeah, like your little toolbox. Your little toolbox to use before you actually get into labour. So it's nice to know what your options are. We've not just included um, medicated options. We've obviously included all of the natural remedies and drug-free ways of managing pain in labour. As we know, every woman experiences pain differently. There's a different spectrum of how we interpret pain and how we manage pain within ourselves. I think one really important thing to note is that going into this process of going into labor and giving birth, really the only time in life where pain is good. Yeah, that's a really important one, actually. And pain is normal, whereas we're very used to, you know, you stub your toe, it's bleeding. You need to acknowledge that that is painful so that you attempt to stop that bleeding so that you don't die from <laughs> I don't Stubbing know if anyone's ever stubbed their toad and died. I'm sure but there would have been someone. Hopefully not, and I'm not from, laughing um, at that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think getting into that mindset really early is that, yeah, unfortunately, labour is painful and uncomfortable. But it's good pain. But it's good pain, and it's pain that's doing something. So before we jump into explaining the different options for pain relief, we thought we'd probably start by discussing what it is that's actually causing you the pain. What is a contraction? (laughs) (laughs) So contractions commence from a surge of different hormones. We don't actually know why labor starts or how it actually starts. Soon as someone figures that out, they'll be a very popular person. (laughs) Um, So contractions are essentially a tightening of the uterine muscle. So uterus is what holds your baby in. And the top of the uterus we refer to as a fundus, and it's a really big muscle. It's actually the largest muscle in your body when you're pregnant. Amazing. And through a change in hormones, it starts tightening and contracting. contracting. (laughs) (laughs) And it's through this contractility or tightening of the muscle that pushes your baby down onto the cervix, and that is what radiates that pain. And some women can feel it, their lower abdomen, their lower back. Um, this is also often coincided with pressure or a pressure sensation, particularly towards the end of your labor as you're feeling your baby's descending right far down into your pelvis. 
There's a few different words to describe the word of contraction. So depending on the type of education classes that you do, you could say it's a wave, a surge, And different birth classes will kind of advise you as to what type of language kind of sits in with their psychological preparation for coping with. And also what kind of person you are and what birth you want really to, what words you're going to utilise. Yeah. And and language, it's there to dispel fear, right? So sometimes, you know, contraction is seen as forceful and scary and yeah medicalized whereas experiencing it as a wave actually does kind of explain it a little bit better because when you do contract it comes and goes yeah and it has peaks and troughs builds up so when you first start to experience that contraction you'll feel it kind of brewing as a wave would be coming into the shore and then it gets to that peak <laughs> and that's that peak intense sensation that we'll obviously refer to and people correlate with as pain. And then it slowly fades away and you get a, you should have a gap in between um, where you don't experience any pain. You may have pressure. Uh, in that time, you may feel your baby moving around, um, but you will get a little bit of a gap in um, an established labor uh, to recuperate before the next one. So we know through published data and lots of evidence-based studies... We like evidence-based. <laughs> <laughs> ...that a woman's ability to effectively manage labour pain and cope well is directly attributed to how safe she feels in her environment, how well-supported she is, and obviously having some form of continuity of care. So those are additional elements that we're not going to go through today, but we do know that they are detrimental yeah. in um, supporting a woman's um, perception of how, how painful they labor is. They make such is. a big impact. 100%. And so going through that as well, and we've already lightly touched on it, is mental prep. Obviously that starts with birth classes or starting to acknowledge... Research. Yeah, research yourself. Um, we know that birth preparation does lead to an increase in positive birth outcomes um, and helps to reduce perceptions of pain and reduce anxiety which obviously in turn will change the way that you respond to contractions when they begin birthing classes like calm birth hypnobirthing they often focus on your psychological response to pain by changing the words and language and also like breath work as well so if you do do those sorts of antenatal classes then there'll be some additional learnings that way as well yeah yeah which comes into some of our categories that we have today as yeah. well. So let's kick things off with talking about natural remedies and natural minimalist and non-interventional ways that you can start at home when you're in early labour. Or in active labour if you're staying home. Yeah. <laughs> the Sorry. ideal place. Yes. <laughs> your number one thing is your environment. You have to set up your birth space or your labor space, somewhere that you're feeling safe, calm. Minimal stimuli, yeah, I think. Yeah. I think in the beginning, perhaps lots of distraction is good. Yeah. Um, but when you're really kind of getting in the zone, contractions are much more regular, you know, you're having quite a few in a 10-minute period, then toning things down and getting into the zone is really important. Yeah, so I guess when we say earlier on distraction is actually better, we mean... 
when you kind of start getting those like niggly planes, you're getting a contraction every like, one every like, yeah, 20 minutes, every 15, every 10 minutes. That's your time to just not even really think about it. Yeah. Try to distract yourself. Pull your jets. Put on a movie. <laughs> Bake something. Relax. Go to the beach. Yeah. Go for a walk. Not try to like, all right, things are starting. I'm going to get into my labor Yeah, I'm prep. putting my tens on. Yeah. My, ear, my airports are in. No. Yeah, you got it. Potentially. Potentially not always, oh, but yeah, potentially yeah. a long way to go. Could be. <laughs> things do change. Yeah, things sometimes. do happen quickly, but typically you need more than one contraction in Especially- a time period. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> we both want to get to Let me talk about it. To me, environment looks like having dim lighting music. Yeah, always setting your playlist going. With Woman is going to start a labour playlist, which is quite exciting. We have one song in there so far. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll put that on our pod if you're like keen to check it out, if you don't want to think of curating your own. But yeah, music, so that can be through an external speaker or if you really want to internalize, you can obviously pop your headphones in. If you really want to get in the zone, headphones is the best thing. It just blocks out everything else that you even have to think about Mm -hmm. and you can just really get into your really mental space. Yeah, if you are hypnobirthing, I think that's a really effective way to efficiently hypnobirth. And you can get waterproof like ear pods these days. That's really cool. Yeah. So yeah, well, people like swimmers, I've seen them advertised. In what way? Would, what what circumstance would you need them to be? Do you like like if you're a shower? swimmer and you're training? Yeah. No, I mean in labour in the context oh. of labour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, like if you're in the shower, we're, we're not encouraging women to go do laps <laughs> at the local pool. Oh, yeah, like if you're in the shower and you don't want to like yeah, ruin right. your earpods or something, yeah, 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 or, cool. or if you're in the bath and you're worried that I don't know, and we had shouldn't be under. You should not be getting submerged. <laughs> I mean, you can, but no, you don't. Um, so yeah, you can get waterproof headphones. Moving, moving on. on. <laughs> Affirmations. So that can be a big one for some people. Like you know, in some birthing classes, they do encourage you to make up your own affirmation that you repeatedly say to yourself, or you have your partner relay it back to you particularly placing them around the room yeah putting them on like little cards yeah i'm powerful i can do this my body was built for this yeah things like that there's lots aromatherapy is another good one we like this one we like our oils we used to have a diffuser in our office with many many oils which we shared with the woman that we cared for yeah and actually a couple we got given a couple of um like essential oil rollers. Mm. Is this because we used to talk about oils a lot? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know I will get them. <laughs> so rose, lavender and citrus oils have been known to reduce levels of pain in labor. So these can be diffused into the air or you can put drops in your bath or if you only want to intermittently smell it because some women have like quite strong aversions to certain yeah. scents all the time. And so sometimes can, when they are on and you're in kind of like an enclosed room. It's overwhelming. Yeah, it gets yeah. a bit too much. So the alternative for that is you can just pour it on like a muslin cloth and just occasionally sniff it. Peppermint oil also has been found to be somewhat effective and it also helps with nausea. So that can be good because nausea is quite common in labor. And we do want to make note though that this isn't evidence-based. Um, the Cochrane Review published a study, I think, in like 2011, and they stated that there was insufficient evidence to say it actually reduced pain, but it was effective in the sense of reducing and regulating feelings of stress, 
which therefore decreased adrenaline, which is great when you want to boost a boxytocin. Which then, how can they say that it doesn't work? Like they don't have any evidence Specific, that it works when yeah. they've got evidence. It wasn't conclusive and enough yeah. because the study it's wasn't big enough. Study to I do. think it was like 517 women. Yeah, they need um, to be bigger studies. Yeah. But also that was talking about managing pain as opposed to managing like contractions, which is oh. what oxytocin does. So, you know, not conclusive, but why Give not it try it? Why your room will smell nice. Yeah. If you're opening your bowels quite frequently, which is common, it might be nice to yeah. have that smell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite a lot of times, actually in rooms as a midwife, I've just kind of brushed over the room with a light little eucalyptus <laughs> wipe. It's never light. It's never light eucalyptus. It's, it's like never you subtle. It. It's like sometimes I'm like, oh, sorry, guys. You Hopefully try to be like really it. subtle and just, I'm just going to wipe down the bench Just here. a bit of aromatherapy. Yeah. <laughs> Also, clary sage, mm. that's a good one. That's you can get bath salts and soak them in clary sage and then actually put that in the bath if you're going to be mobilising in the bath. I um, use clary sage on my lower back for period pain. Does it work? Yeah, I think it, it works in the sense that it it's like... It kind of, when you massage it through, it kind of warms up to your skin. It does have a very strong odor too like it's a yeah, very it's not a potent nice, i wouldn't I put it in a it. diffuser no i don't love it you know i'd put it a couple of drops in a bath or rub it like massage it onto yeah. your skin as opposed to diffusing it i don't think it and that nice. also do not use clary sage if you are under 37 weeks yes it can bring on quite strong braxton hicks or, or contractions. contractions yeah we're real in sync today aren't we, we are <laughs> Um, destruction methods. Yeah. A lot of people use, um, like stress balls. The comb is like a, what do you call it? Like a thing at the moment. So Sophie's referring to a comb as in a hair comb. So it's, And you like grab it. Yeah. You grab it, you grip it essentially. And so when you get a contraction, you put pressure on that comb, it digs into your skin essentially. And it refers the pain to your hand as opposed to your lower abdomen. That's what we mean by distraction method. It's just something that at the it, moment is on the market. A lot of people are using it. It's a fad. Yeah, yes. It's like the That's new, the yeah, word I'm welcome. looking for. You're welcome. Because there's so many other things that you can grab around yeah. the room that's, you know, your partner. <laughs> your partner. <laughs> um, heat packs are another good distraction method. Really good in early labour when contractions are irregular because it does help to relax um, that smooth muscle. Yeah, like the wheat bags, they're probably the best ones. Yeah, hot Um, hot water bottles, just watch out. Yeah, try to avoid. The last thing you want is a third degree burn when you're in the middle of labour. We've had, we've seen them pop before. We have even seen burns on gel gel packs packs too, and even heat like wheat bags can burn you too. Yeah, so go easy. Be careful with that. If you're reaching like maximum heat, you should move on to something else. In terms of distraction methods too, some women like slam their hands on the bed or will stomp through a contraction. I feel like that's just a natural body's reaction mm. to pain. Yeah. Movement. But you're, yeah, movement, yeah. but you're causing... Sing, it's like in-sync movement. That's yeah, it, not a you're word. Not, that's not swaying your hips. You're like slamming. <laughs> yeah. We've seen a lot of women like stomping rhythmically. Mm. Rhythmically. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, rhythmically. Rhythmical movement. (laughs) Position changes will also aid in this too. So um, going from all fours to standing or squatting to standing. Yeah. Standing to squatting. Swaying, moving hips really fast. Moving your hips, lean over your partner, rest all of your body weight on them. Yeah. In terms of mobility and moving around in labour, we also haven't mentioned the power of the exercise ball. It's so powerful because <laughs> not only can you use it at home, in the hospital, but you can actually sit down, get in a position that's going to utilize your baby getting in a good position in your uterus, mm. but it's also comfortable. It's not too hard. Yeah. You can sit on it front ways. You can put it on the bed and yeah. you can still utilize it when you have an epidural as well. Yeah. You can, yeah, there's different ones called peanut balls. So it's like a little, it's a different shape. It's not round. It kind of looks like a peanut. So peanut balls are often used um, if a woman has an epidural in labor to kind of change the shape of their body to enable their baby to descend down um, further into the pelvis um, because obviously you're limited in terms of movement. But the round-shaped exercise ball, like you said, is quite... um, It's not so firm on your bottom because you're already feeling enough pressure Pressure. down there you don't need added pressure and you can use it in multitude of ways so you could be on all fours leaning on the ball Um, like Soph said you can use it antenatally to try and get your baby in a nice position to labor so obviously we're referring to avoiding you know a posterior labor um get on that rock your hips yeah oh yeah sway getting all your muscles moving especially if you're quite stiff as well Mm. sitting on the exercise ball while you're watching telly instead of sitting on the couch yeah it just can really help baby get in a good position and really alleviate those little aches and pains that you're having too strengthen your core and your lower back muscles as well so get on the exercise ball (laughs) bouncing away (laughs) acupuncture and acupressure can be highly beneficial yeah. A lot of um, places that do acupressure and acupuncture, they actually say don't just go see them when you're in like your third trimester or like heavily mm. pregnant. It's usually like a, a build up. Yeah, of multiple they sessions. your body. Yeah. Mm. And it works a lot better with how your body reacts to it too. Um, a lot of women will come in in labor and they already have their little pressure point dots. Yeah, like dots, stickers. Mm-hmm. Um, that they get from the acupuncturist. That is very helpful to support people, midwives, because then you support X marks the spot. Yeah, it's already there. You like, just have to apply pressure. They don't or have the, to search or the, your body for it. No, or, or you can apply it yourself. So a lot of them are in between your. A lot of the points that are used to keep contractions kind of flowing, but also to provide pain relief. But like one of the spots is in between your index finger and your thumb. Um, so there's often a little dot there and you just apply pressure with your thumb when you're going through that, you know, that surge or contraction. A little um, tip, you can use a peg. Yes. Yeah. So I used to use a peg for this pressure point when I got migraines. I used to, you know, mm. I'm a real migraine kind of person. And yeah, putting a peg just like, yeah. know, how do you ever describe that area? I don't know, the fleshy bit in between, like the, the joint. <laughs> Laser. <laughs> we just put the L shape to our forehead because <laughs> they can't actually see us. Yeah. I was like, um, they probably just think we call everyone a loser oh, or each other. Some acupuncture and acupressure places, when they are doing labor and birth prep with you, some of them encourage your support person to come into a session so they can actually teach them 
the certain points so that you can access them in labour and you're not having these discussions. I need you to press here, I need you to press here. Yeah, because that's the last yeah, and they give point that you need it yeah. is when you're in labour and you're trying to say, like, no, no, like, here, here. Yeah, yeah they There's really some, need to know earlier. Yeah, some points in the lower back as well that can provide effective pain relief in terms of acupressure as well. And in the 90s, like, there were these massage dolphin, plastic dolphins, yeah, you can find one of those. It's great. Or like octopuses, yes. and they all had the little legs. Yeah, and, and you, you just to push like them, in. them in. Yeah, yeah. so you can find a. I haven't seen them around. Search for one of those. I saw one not that long ago. Someone had the dolphin. I was like, oh, so nostalgic. I they don't know were why I like had one. It's a bit 90s, weird, weren't they? Yeah, my mum had one. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's why I had it because we're nineties babies. We but, are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and also the good thing about acupressure is you can do it at home, you can yeah. do it in the hospital, yeah. you can do it in the car, yeah. wherever you are labouring. Mm. You don't need anything really. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good little tool a kit. What is it? A, a tool in the kit? That's it. Get your octopus in the kit. <laughs> in, the the bag. in the bag. <laughs> Add to cart. <laughs> what else and you check should... out. <laughs> and check out. Do not leave in cart. <laughs> do not close your browser. Another one to add to cart. Oh yeah, this one is, is a tens like, machine. Add to cart in your pregnancy. <laughs> a tens machine is highly recommended by me. You can hire them or buy them. A lot of people lately have been saying that Amazon uh, do next day delivery, which is fantastic, but also have a good variety of tens machines. A like few birthing people, ones? yeah, oh, okay, obstetric ones. Yeah. So just to clarify, before we go in depth of what a tens is and how it works. Um, there's two different types of TENS machines that you can have. One is just like the usual one that you can get from a physio in terms of like rehab. And you can um, use it all over your body. Yeah. yeah. And then in terms of management of pain in labor and whatnot, um, you can get one that's specifically catered to pregnancy that has an additional mode to it that's often referred to as like boost, the, the boost, boost button. button. Beast mode, yeah. boost button. So it gives you like a continuous rate of pulses, but also you can control it and intensify it during a contraction and then turn it off when it's finished. Yeah, which is really handy because the last thing you want when you're having a contraction is your partner or support person trying to dial up your tennis machine. Yeah, fumbling. You just like, want to be able to push the button, get in your zone, and then push the button again when your contraction's coming down. They're easy to use. They're easy to put on. Whilst on that note, TENS machines, how do they work? <laughs> so a TENS machine is four little sticky pads and they're connected to the actual little machine and they've got electrodes in the pads which send mild and electrical pulses through the skin. Usually they come with a little picture with the actual machine of where to place them. So they're really easy to use. Mm. You use them during labor. Many women find this also really, it's like a soothing sensation. And also it's a big distraction method. Mm. I think that's what, not only does it kind of block your pain pathways with the electrical impulses, it's also distracting you through the contraction. So it's a device that hangs around your neck and you yourself are in charge of it or your support person. I was just in charge of mine. It was yeah. so much easier. You knew when the contraction was kind of building up and you could push your little button. And as we said, you have your little boost button. And then as soon as you contraction, you can kind of feel it easing off again. You just push your button again and the electrical impulses slowly decrease again. And they kind of go back to this mild tingling sensation in mm-hmm. between the contractions. 
So it's not like it completely turns off in between the contractions. You still have that stimuli there, but then during the contraction... It intensifies. Yeah. The good thing with the TENS too is that it can be used in conjunction with other forms of pain relief, except water, for obvious reasons. And epidural, because you can't feel it. Yeah, there's no point on doing it. On. I mean, you can keep it going, but there's no point there. And you can also stop and start it at any time. So if you do decide to hop in the shower or hop in the bath, you can obviously temporarily take it off, give it a break, and then go back to it later on. And it's really good in early labour too. Mm. Whilst you're at home, you're just kind of getting through those first couple of centimetres. You're baking that cake, but your contractions are now one in ten. Or having you're like, like oh, it's going to burn. I don't want to burn. Put <laughs> the tens on. <laughs> I... As I said in my birth story, I slept with it actually overnight whilst mm. I was in early labour and bloody hell, it was the best thing ever. <laughs> best sleep of your life, do you Yeah. <laughs> Not quite. Not quite, but the 10s, go for it. 100% recommend. So you can use it postnatally too. Mm. So not all of the 10s machines come with a um, vaginal electrode, but... The pregnancy like labor birth ones they actually have ones that you can use for recovery too in the postnatal period like guides contractility of you know muscles perfectly yeah massage we've kind of lightly touched on that already but that's pretty straightforward again another sort of form of distraction method difficult to massage yourself so you need this is a, support a willing role. participant yes <laughs> and Willing whilst you're in labour is kind of like they have to. Yeah. <laughs> you must. Do they get a choice? The amount of times that like people complain, like, my arm's dead. Oh, or you see the partners, like, their fingers and their face is like, oh, they're like, this is so painful. And you're yeah. just like, suck it up. <laughs> Keep going. Because if you stop... We're in trouble. <laughs> Another way in which you can manage pain relief, I guess, this is kind of also a distraction method still... Um, is the rebozo. A lot of people don't know about the rebozo. Yeah. I feel like it's coming out more now. Mm. And it's a big like social media thing at the moment. Mm, totally. Actually, there's a lot of really good YouTube videos. Just type in rebozo, labor or birth or something, and you'll see a million pop up of how to use this because I'm not sure if like the way I'm about to describe it's going to do it any justice. You're probably like, I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> I do not about. understand. <laughs> I do not comprehend. So YouTube this. <laughs> <laughs> Refer to YouTube. 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 <laughs> you won't find anything on there. <laughs> Refer to YouTube for further consultation on Rebozo. All right. Anyway, yeah. it's a traditional Mexican birthing technique which involves wrapping it's basically like a scarf or a really strong piece of fabric around the pregnant belly and whilst that's around it you like attempt to kneel either like over an exercise ball or if you wrap it around your hips and bottom you can like lean back against a wall or on a bed for support but basically again you need a willing participant someone who's um, going to hold the end gonna, of the fabric yeah so basically a support person holds the ends of the fabric and gently rocks your hips side to side or your belly from side to side in like a rhythmic sort of motion. And through this motion, the abdominal muscles and your uterine ligaments are encouraged to relax and therefore it provides you a little bit of pain relief. It also aids the overall like mechanism of labor. So as well as providing pain relief, it can also be used to get your baby in more of an optimal position. So if your baby's a little bit posterior so back to back and you've got a lot of back pain by sifting 
I think that's what they call sifting. it. Like, rebozo sifting. Yeah. You can kind of encourage your baby to go in a better position. By no means can you rotate a baby by a rebozo <laughs> or anything like that, but it's just like a gentle encouragement. Yeah. And it can also make you feel weightless. Yeah, so, your hips are really yeah, supported. It's a good antenatal um, tool as well to use. Mm. So you don't have to be in labor to use this, but it can help take the pressure. Like You just feel weightless yeah. in some of the movements. Add to kit. Yeah, in the box. One that I think most women would know about is water immersion. You can use a bath. A shower. Your local swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it if you really want to. Your, your local stream. Have you seen like the birthing free video? Birthers. Yeah, yeah, free birthers using like local streams. I don't know stuff. why they choose to birth in a river. Nature. Yeah. But yuck. So dirty. Well, yeah, you don't know what's and in cold. the stream. Yeah. There's no hot water oh, out there. Oh, I would need hot water. <laughs> Um, for There's no for it. This water immersion, immersion in labor is the one place you don't have to worry about hot water. Yeah. Stay in there as long as you bloody like. Yeah. If you're birthing this year, I mean, we've had, was it El Nino? La Nina? Droughts? What? We haven't had a drought this year, doll. No, that's what we I mean. We've been here in summer. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually in flooding at the moment. That's what I mean. We've got a lot of water. So, so if you're birthing this year... <laughs> In a meta-analysis, researchers combined the results from 11 different randomized controlled trials on water immersion in labor, and they found that people who used water immersion during labor were less likely to need epidurals and spinals for pain relief. A lot of um, birthing programs that are predominantly like more holistic-based do often refer to the bath, for example, as your natural epidural. Yeah. And you can hop in, you can hop out. Mm. You can get in different positions. In the shower, you can be sitting on a chair, standing up, leaning over a chair. You can be squatting on the floor, kneeling. Ash and I have done births together with women in the shower. We've both been completely drenched. Yeah, down to our socks. You can give birth to babies in the bathroom. You can give birth to babies in the bath. Yep. Don't feel like you have to get out of the water once no. you get into that point yeah. of pushing as well. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. You can also use this at home as well in early labour. And you can also be in the bath and in the shower with monitoring as well. So yes. that's an important one to note. Yeah. You can have inductions and use water immersion. Totally. And I think um, on that note too, I don't think sh- showers don't come into play as much because you can be quite active in terms of movement in a shower. But in a bath, sometimes you can relax yourself so much that contractions do tend to spread themselves out a little bit it can fizzle a little bit can fizzle so if you notice that that's happening um or your care provider notices that's happening they may either encourage yourself or they may encourage you to hop out of the bath and just mix it up a little bit just to get those contractions back back and then hop back in again it's like your body just relaxes Mm. so much that your contractions just relax and Mm. kind of disappear a a little bit Yeah. yeah Talking about being in the bath, something that can coincide is meditation. Because mm. a lot of women meditate in the bath. Mm. I feel like that's where I see hypnobirthing and yes. calm birthing yes. happening a lot. Totally. Meditation is part of hypnobirthing classes um, and it's also in calm birth classes as well. Mm. And a lot of women, it's not only talking, there's meditation tracks, which is like 
stories. Rain, yeah, stories mm. too, but like rainforest and beach. And it's getting you in the zone where you can actually picture where you are too. Yeah. That you're not like sitting in a bath in a hospital room. Mm. For meditation, usually you start it kind of early on in your pregnancy. It's not something you just, oh, I'm in labor. I'm going to pop on my meditation tracks. Mm. You learn in your hypnobirthing and calm birthing classes that you actually meditate daily or multiple times a day to build up. But it's not like a resistance. No. It's. It's teaching your body how to meditate. Yeah. Yeah. And the more you use the meditation throughout your pregnancy, the more helpful it's going to be throughout your labor. Mm. And the more you're going to be able to get into your zone. In your zone. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the hardest part is dropping in and switching out. And yeah. like switching off. Yeah. Definitely do it throughout your pregnancy. You can also have like really calm music tracks. Mm. It doesn't have to be like rainforest or beach music or anything. Sometimes playlists that you can just look up on Spotify is like really calming music. You can meditate to that as well. There is a lot of tracks, which is people speaking. Yeah. It's a lot of guided, like yeah. the birthing tracks are all guided. Yeah. If you're someone that like doesn't like voice. listening to people's voices or anything yeah. like that, maybe that's not for you, but give it a go. Even in like certain stages, like you may get to the point where it's no longer effective for you, but even in the beginning, if it like gets you through the first couple of hours. If amazing. it calms you even for 10 minutes, yeah, give well, it a go. I think that's probably all about non-medicalized or non-medicated pain yeah. relief management options for your toolkit. There's a lot more coming. <laughs> Here's the good Where stuff. are the drugs? <laughs> okay. Who's so got them? If you're a person that you're going into pregnancy or you're going in like you're already pregnant, you're going into labor and you're like, I am 100% for a medicated labor and birth. Yeah. These ones are for you. So we're going to start off with kind of like the bottom tier. (laughs) Then we're going to slowly grade up. Starting with sterile water injections. (laughs) I was going to say, starting with the black and gold. Why black and gold? Like black and gold tins? You like a home brand. Oh. (laughs) Starting with home brand, we're like grading up. Starting with your woolies. (laughs) Woolies We'll get to like, I don't know, what's like a really good... I know, we need to to pick a category. So it was like lollies. We're starting with the home brand lollies. And we're going to work Wait. our way up to Alan's. Alan's. <laughs> I love how we're both like Alan's. Alan. So sterile water injections are administered in the hospital and it's administered by two midwives who are both... Accredited. Yeah, that's the word. In administering them. Yeah, so two, the reason we do two midwives at once is because sterile water injections, they sting like hell. A lot of people describe them as like a bee sting. Mm. So And you get... You get it four times. <laughs> yeah, there's four injections. So if you can picture two midwives giving two injections, it's kind of like less time and less time to process that you don't want the last three injections. Yeah. <laughs> it's like not getting your ears pierced at the same time. Yeah, it is like that. So sterile water injections are very thin needles with sterile water in them, and they're injected just underneath the skin. In your lower back. If you can stand in front of a mirror and turn around and look at your back, you've got your two dimples. Yes. That's where two Good of the point. Yeah. That's where two of the injections go and then the other two are just near that point as well. So they can be administered about 30 minutes apart. You can have multiple of these mm. injections. They are good for a back posterior labor. Yes. They're not going to do anything if you're not getting you any pain in your back. Back pain. Yeah. yeah. So if you're experiencing back pain in your labor, 
ask your midwives if you can have sterile water injections. There's no implications on your baby. They're completely safe. And basically, you inject subcutaneously, so it's in like the very top layer of your skin, water. four drops of water. And miraculously, <laughs> that shocks the nerve endings in that area, and that's why the pain goes away. It's only temporary, so that's why you can have it so regularly, usually like half an hour to 45 yeah. minutes, I would say. So it gives you enough of a break to be like, okay, reset, yeah. go again. And you can have these at the same time as other forms of yes. pain-relieving medications yeah. as well, which is good too. So you can get morphine and sterile water injections. Yeah. Or you can have those sterile water injections if you're you know, waiting for an epidural or whatever and you've got this shocking back pain because sometimes for some women it's honestly horrendous. Yeah, it's debilitating. So awful. Yeah. Grading up from sterile water injections is oral pain relief. So this is pain relief that's obviously can be either easily accessible at home or in hospital. It's typically either paracetamol, which is most of us will have paracetamol at home. Not super effective in active labor when you have regular contractions, but by all means, if you want to take it, take it. A lot um, of women look at you and you say like, have you tried taking Panadol? And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I need more. Or <laughs> um, their partners look at you like, did you just tell her to take some Panadol? <laughs> yeah. Um, otherwise, uh, if you have a script for this already, you can take it. Um, but otherwise, um, within the hospital setting, we can often give you Panadine Fort, which has codeine in it. Um, again, fairly safe of consumption in pregnancy. Um, and can, it's predominantly more effective in uh, really early labor when your contractions are irregular or yeah. so far apart. But Like when we say it's safe in pregnancy, like don't be taking Panadine Fort every, every day. day. <laughs> <laughs> Not for regular use. Chat to your healthcare provider prior <laughs> to taking Panadine Fort. <laughs> Another um, one that we quite often give in the hospital setting is Tamazepam mm. to help relax you. Yeah. Again, not something that would be offered during the day. No. Not something that would be offered in active established labour. If you're contracting, you know, two to three minutely, Tamazepam is not helping you, going to help you. So it's we don't not, offer yeah, things no. that aren't going to be beneficial for you. It's kind of one of those ones that you come in in the middle of the night, yes. you're in real early labour, you're about a centimetre dilated or something, and we offer Panadine for and Tamazepam. Yeah. You go back home. Hop in the bath or go to bed. Yeah. Get you through those next couple of centimetres. Yeah. My favourite. Your fave? This is my fave. Because when it's used well, God, it's good. Laughing gas. Yes. <laughs> nitrous oxide. <laughs> so nitrous is delivered through a mask or a tube that you breathe into. So you inhale it. Nitrous is mixed with oxygen at a ratio of two to one. So it started actually being used as a medicine in 1844. And it's commonly known as laughing gas. There's actually heaps of words for it, hey? Yeah. Can't think of it. Oh, we're like, oh, what's another word for it? Gas, nitrous, laughing gas. Some people refer to happy it as gas. Entinox. There's yeah, there's quite a few. All of the above. N2O plus O2. So it's actually a chemical compound of nitrogen. So it's a it does have a slight metallic taste sometimes. Some women will say, like, I feel like I've got a metal. No, no, I haven't had gas either before. Oh. Not even at the dentist. Really? No. No, neither actually. But you can have it at the dentist too. Yeah. FYI. 
Um, but yeah, women have said to me before that it has like a real metallic-y kind of taste to it. So the reason it's actually called laughing gas is due to the euphoric effects upon inhaling it. Nitrous is actually on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines and one of the safest and effective medicines needed in the healthcare system. So there's <laughs> some actual negative effects of nitrous. Nausea, shivering, that can happen quite a lot. It can also make you vomit. I've seen quite a lot of women not like it because of the nauseous and kind of feeling. And the feeling that you are not in control. Mm, yeah. Really lightheaded, dizzy, so sleepy. I try to tell women when you're breathing on the gas, go with the feeling. If you're someone that's going to like fight that feeling, yeah. it's not really something that's going to be for you. Yeah, it's definitely not effective if you're the type of person to resist that sensation of, yeah. I don't want to lose control, I don't want to feel like this. Like some people obviously don't like feeling out of their body because that's the sensation that it gives you. Having said that though, um, it's only used during a contraction and then when the contraction's not there, it should be stopped. You should give yourself a break, breathe normal air. And not top, give it to your partner. And not give it to your partner, no. <laughs> Um, and it metabolizes within about 30 seconds. So the effects don't last for a long period of time. They would if you continuously sucked on the tubing. But if you give yourself that break, it eliminates from your body and you come back down. And it also does not cross the placenta. No. So it's not like your baby's in there getting some nitrous. Used really effectively, um, allows you can still mobilize when you're using the gas. You can be in the bath be with in it. The bath. There's most hospitals will have nitrous on wheels, yeah, on portable tanks, yeah. Um, and the good thing about it is, as we said, it's out of your system in about 30 seconds. So if you don't like the feeling, if you're feeling really nauseous from it, you just take it out of your mouth, take some long, big, deep breaths. It's also really good to encourage regular breathing as well. I think, you know, when a lot of people are in pain in general, your your respiratory rate increases because you're like, I'm really uncomfortable, get this done, get this done, I don't like this pain. And that isn't good because you usually tense up when you're in that mode. So using that gas, it's in, slow, out, slow, so it can help regulate that breath work for you too. And sometimes as well, if you're someone that doesn't like the nitrous, we can actually put the nitrous onto zero and oxygen. Mm. So it's just helping with your breathing. You're actually, you're breathing on the tube, but you're not actually getting the nitrous. Yeah. 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 I said oxygen and that's air. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I know, I like subtly corrected you. <laughs> Moving up into the tiers of pain relief is morphine. So morphine is administered in a hospital setting and it's a subcut injection. Usually in the top of your thigh. Yeah. That's or also stings. Even in the bottom as well. Yeah, morphine does sting going mm. in. Mm. Yeah. So onset of morphine is usually about 20 minutes and the peak effect is around about 70 minutes and you can also have multiple doses of the morphine too within a 24-hour period it all depends on the weight ratio of the person receiving the medication as to how much of morphine you get Mm. it's also a prescribed medication from a doctor so morphine binds to opioid receptors in the central nervous system which is altering the perception of the pain and the emotional response to pain so morphine does actually cross the placenta as well and babies also excrete opioids slower than adults do and they metabolize them slower yeah so that's because the immaturity of their liver enzymes 
So I think a lot of women worry about having more course, queen in labor yeah. because it does cross the placenta. Most hospitals do have quite strict parameters around administering morphine to yeah. women, though. Obviously, labor can sometimes be unpredictable, but ideally, if birth is looking like it's imminent, we'll actually take that offer of morphine off the table and encourage the use of something else um, just to prevent... Um, potential resuscitation of your baby because it's affected by morphine at time of birth morphine is really good in early labor it can help relax your body so much that your body can just get the rest it needs and to continue dilating Mm. if you are tense you can't relax your body's not going to dilate so morphine can be a really good one for the first couple of centimeters in labor really definitely yeah it can also be used in conjunction with nitrous. And it gives you a similar sensation too. to nitrous in terms of like you're a little bit cloudy mentally, euphoric, drowsy. How many times have you seen women get a dose of morphine and then they're in the bath and it looks like they're pretty much asleep? Yeah. Like they're that relaxed mm. and the bath as well just being a contributing factor. Yeah. Sometimes partners come out and they're like, um, is she okay? She's changed a it's lot. It's like labor's stopped. Yeah. It can relax you enough that mm. labor can slow a little as well. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's important to note, like nitrous, it doesn't take away the pain. Again, it's like a medicated distraction method. Yeah. Um, you will still wake up to those contractions. They may not appear as intense as what they were previously because you're in a different mental state, and so you're not perceiving pain the same way, but. The only thing that will take away the pain in labor <laughs> is the Allen's lolly of the toolkit. We've got a few analogies going on here, don't we? The big yeah. guns, which is, as you probably can already... Your epi. <laughs> as a lot of women I say. I want my epi. I'm here for my epi. <laughs> I'm definitely getting the epi in labor. Like, and when women that. started saying this at first, I was thinking like, my... Episiotomy? Birth- that's what I thought. Well, of. I was like, yeah. fun? <laughs> but that I was thinking EpiPen too. Oh, I yeah. I don't know why. That's yeah. where my head goes to. So epidurals are a really strong and effective form of pain relief for women in labor. Um, the epidural anesthetic works by interrupting the pain signals or the pain pathway that travels along the spine to your brain. So epidurals are a, are a minor procedure that's performed by anaesthetists that does come with associated risks, which you'll you'll have an opportunity to discuss with um, the anaesthetist inserting the epidural prior to commencing the procedure. But basically the procedure itself involves the anaesthetist will insert a long needle in between your vertebrae, which inserts into um, your epidural space. Within the space are a bunch of nerves and by inserting certain medications into that space, it blocks the pain signals. Due to this, the most common effect of an epidural is that you have a noticeably de- decreased sensation to your lower extremities. So um, the lower segment of your body becomes quite pins and needly or eventually numb and you have substantial weakness. So most women would not be able to move their legs. In an ideal world, you'll have some movement, um, but over time it does get less and less the longer your epidural is running for. There are some hospitals that were trialing a quote-unquote walking epidural. I've heard it's really popular in America. Yes, but not very common in Australia. 
mainly because of the risk associated with using it and the resources required to facilitate it. So with the epidural, because it's a once-off injection, um, obviously if that needle just came out and that was it, that wouldn't potentially last very long. So when the needle comes out of your spine, a little plastic catheter is left inside and attached to the end of that catheter is a pump that continuously provides an anesthetic into that space. And we can titrate that dose so we can increase it, decrease it, give you a big push of medication if it's not working effectively. And all of this is ideally like outwardly managed by the anaesthetist and then the midwives. Sometimes there is an option to have a patient controlled uh, pump so that means you get a like a we call it a background so a l very low dose of a continuous infusion of the anesthetic and then you have the ability to press a button to give yourself a boost of more um, but it's not offered at every hospital and it's not up to you to decide whether or not <laughs> that's on offer for you it's the anaesthetist that'll decide whether or not that's appropriate for you when we use epidurals things can become a little bit more complex and a you little bit more have, complicated yeah. because you have a few extra things attached to you than what you would if you were laboring freely without this type of medication on board. Once you pretty much agree to having an epidural, you're agreeing to having multiple we like to call this the start of the cascade of yeah, intervention. Yeah. Potentially not always. Um but you are for example bed bound. Um, yes, you can move around a little bit in bed, but not without um, the support of people helping you move. You can't sit on your knees in bed. You no. can't squat over the back of the bed. No, it's no. left side, right side, sitting up. Yeah. Um, they have recently introduced peanut balls, which is like a, um, a medicine or exercise ball, but in the shape of like a peanut. So it's a little bit smaller, so you can lift one leg up and have that resting on it and things like that. But it's not the same as, you know, standing and squatting. So when um, epidurals are used, obviously uh, we need intravenous access. So you have a cannula in your hand or in your arm um, that provides intravenous fluids because we need to manage a potential risk of you having a low blood pressure. Um, so this is a safety precaution that we use um, to prevent that from happening. Obviously, we don't want you to have a low blood pressure that correlates into a, a vast range of potential risk factors to yourself Babies and your baby and from heart that rate point. Drugs. Yeah. So on, so on, so on. <laughs> we won't go into it. You don't. You're not on this to become a midwife. No. We'll deal with the rest of it. Um, you'll also, obviously, because you cannot mobilize, um, you'll have a catheter inserted into your bladder as well that constantly drains your urine, so you don't get a full bladder because obviously your bladder and your baby's head fights for the same space in your pelvis. So we need to make sure that that bladder is empty, so it allows room for your baby to come down. So a couple of little extra attachments to when you do decide to have an epidural that you should be aware of. Another attachment that you also have is your baby's heart rate being monitored. Yes. So have a CTG. you'll have another couple of cords coming off and wrapped around your belly too. Yeah. Something else that is actually really similar to an epidural but differs slightly is a spinal. So you don't actually get a choice whether you're going to have an epidural or a spinal. It's not something you walk into hospital and say, I want a spinal instead of an epidural. This is usually something that you would only get if you're going for a cesarean section. Um, and again, given to you by your anaesthetist. So it's a local anaesthetic, um, also put into your lower back near your spine. And it basically numbs your lower half of your body from pain, same as an epidural except they're faster to administer and they only last a few hours. 
So like the epidural where you put it in and then you have a tube coming out of your back, spinals you don't. It's just a one-off injection, goes into your back, usually lasts about one to three hours. Um, and it can't be, as we say, like topped up like yeah. an epidural can be once you get that dose. That's your spinal. So if you do get a spinal anesthetic and it doesn't actually work, your next form of pain relief is a general anesthetic. So a GA is not something that you would choose no. as one of your first. This is not to be added to the toolkit. No. This is not I'm walking in to bed. <laughs> I'm walking in and I want a GA. <laughs> so a general anesthetic is actually when you're put to sleep during an operation. So this is the common pain relief when you're having like other surgeries. Yeah. Um, And general anesthetics are usually only used in emergency settings or when you're having a cesarean section and your spinal is not working. So if you're getting a spinal and you're in theatre and then you're still feeling pain, they will then go for a general anesthetic. A general anesthetic is not something that you would choose because not only are you being put to sleep, but your baby is being put to sleep as well. And the effects of that is that you typically your partner can't be present for the birth if you're asleep. Um, your baby's more likely to require resuscita- resuscitation because they're quite drowsy at birth. And obviously you don't want to miss, ultimately you don't want to miss the birth of your baby. Yeah, that's the big Not thing. Not by choice. Actually. I yeah. mean, sometimes we can't help it and time is of the essence in some circumstances and we just have to go for it and you have to be put to sleep but that's not the ideal way in which you birth your baby um and that's the beauty of having a spinal is that you know it can provide when it works well and most of the time they are very effective um it provides that adequate pain relief where you're able to be awake for the birth of your baby in a cesarean section scenario so i think pain relief and what you choose is all dependent on what kind of person you are totally, and what you want out of your birth. Mm. If you are someone that you do not want to feel any pain, you know that from the start, epidural is probably your go-to. Mm. Yeah, try some gas first. Just have a whiff. And really, go with your tears that yeah. we've just discussed today. Yeah. Just work your way up. If yeah. something isn't working, just Move try on. something else. Yeah. Chuck them out of the bag. Yeah. They're not working. Yeah. <laughs> I think too, it depends on the setting in which you intend to labor as well. Like obviously if you're predominantly choosing to labor in your own environment or you're having a home birth, for example, you know, some of these medical options won't be your first preference or a preference um, unless things change in your labor and you decide to go to hospital. Um, So yeah, start with your natural remedies first. They'll at least get you through the first part of labor. And if they don't, There's other things that you can move on to. Yeah. And I think another really important thing to just note is your support people are going to be the big help in a lot of these pain relief methods. Your acupressure, your massage, giving you encouragement to know when to move on to the next category as well. Also, when you pack your hospital bag, if you are bringing things in that you will use... Um, as pain relief methods, mostly obviously there'll be the distraction methods. Just make sure your partner knows where they are. It's easy to reach, easy to grab out. Have the toolbox organized. Yep. Labeled, Labeled. toolkit. <laughs> put it in their toolbox. Take all of their hammers and stuff out and just put it. Can you imagine? You've gone on a job site. What is this? It's a tennis machine. It's a tennis machine. It's really good in labor. It's a comb. <laughs> it's a dolphin. <laughs> 
find them. <laughs> we do, we do. But ultimately, you know, the purpose of this episode was really just to give you the options for pain relief. Um, you need to do your own little investigations from here on out as to what you think would be effective for yourself. You know, you know how you manage pain in a typical scenario. So if you're one to, you know, take two Panadol when you stub your toe, maybe need some morphine and an epidural. If you are reluctant to take pain relief in any form ever, then perhaps you'd cope much better with those natural remedies. But talk to your healthcare provider. If you're doing birthing classes, discuss it with them as to what they'd recommend that goes in conjunction with the education that they're providing you and then go from there. Because anyone that listens to this podcast knows that Ash and I are big on knowledge is power. 100%. And just being open. Yeah. You know, if you may, you know, you may be in a scenario where the people that are caring for you are saying to you, actually, it would be really beneficial right now if you had an epidural. You know, there are those conversations that do happen occasionally, obviously. Just you, being open to things changing. Yeah, to things and changing. not feeling bad if a certain pain relief you thought would work yeah. isn't working for you on yeah. the day. Yeah. Just go with the flow, try your different options, yeah. Yeah. and enjoy your birth journey. So thank you for listening to this episode of With Woman. We hope you found this useful for your journey and you can find us on Instagram at withwoman.thepodcast. So flick us a follow and get amongst it. You'll find our latest episode updates there and also please feel free to slide on into our DMs if there are any topics you'd like us to discuss in the future. That's it for us. Bye. Bye.